Do you guys know that God loves his church? Yes. He, like, God loves his church. He loves us so much, and he's so committed to caring for us and to growing our character and leading us. He's, his affections are towards us. He thinks about us all the time. It's amazing. He loves us like a father, and his love for his church is so strong. Jesus calls us as we are gathered here together and as believers around the world are gathered, his bride. And he calls us his bride when we're not gathered too. It's wonderful. He loves us so much. Jesus loves us so much that he would willingly die a criminal's death, though innocent, on a cross for forgiveness of your sin, for my sin, for the sins of the world, so that we would be made right with God. And not only was it his death that, but his death also made it possible then to free us from the fact that we are, we are sinners from the day we're born. Not only do we get to enjoy the forgiveness from the bad things we've done, but Jesus actually comes and makes a way that we can then walk by the Holy Spirit and leave that old life behind, however imperfectly we step by step grow by his grace. I hope that's been your experience. And that's the glorious news of the cross, that his death made it possible to be free from the tyranny of ourselves. That's what we're being rescued from. It's a grand, glorious rescue mission, and Jesus gets to restore us as we're born again into the family of God. And God himself then, in the Holy Spirit, lives in you and helps you walk it out. It's glorious. It's wonderful. It's absolutely beautiful. But Jesus not only died, Jesus was also raised on the third day. The word tells us that he was raised on the third day. That he appeared first to Cephas or Peter. That he then appeared to the 12. Then he appeared to 500 of his disciples. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to Paul. And then he was ascended and taken and seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is all what we base our faith off of. Why do I bring up this gospel message to us to start the day? Usually, you're like, don't preachers like save that till the end of the message? Um, because as we dig into um, dig into the Word, as we go forward on our series on Matthew, um, we, that is the center. If we leave behind any bit of the cross being central and the empty grave and what Christ accomplished, then we miss out on a lot. Because it's easy for us to open this book, especially as we go through Matthew, and especially as Jesus has lots of things for us in it. Lots of things for what it looks like to be kingdom citizens, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. There's lots of things in there, but it can quickly turn into a to-do list if you lose sight of the cross. If we lose sight of the cross and the fact that this can only be walked out by, led by the Spirit, by the grace of God. And so we're digging into Matthew because I desperately think we need to obey the words of Jesus and walk it out. But it's not done out of a place of, you have to do this so that you can earn your place in the kingdom. It's we get to do this because Jesus has freed us to do this. And so that's the heart that we'd have going forward, is that the cross of Christ is central. So keep that in mind. Don't ever lose sight of those truths. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited to be able to go through the gospel of Matthew as a church over the months to come. And as we unpack the word, we're not going to lose 
uh, the forest for the trees is the old saying. We're not going to lose the centrality of the gospel of Jesus' work for you, for me, for the world. Good? How you doing? Good? Good. Right on. It's all going to be interpreted through that lens. And as we do that, um, I really hope that as we approach the word of God, we're going to do so with with a great humility. Whether you have this thing memorized or not, we all approach the word with great humility and ask the Lord to speak to us through it. Uh, and um, COVID-19 is a is a thing that's been happening. If I don't know if you know, noticed that or not. Um, it's been six months. It's done a lot of harm to a lot of people, a lot of relationships over six months. But we also serve a God who is not just sitting back and saying, oh, no, I don't know what to do with this one. He's actually uh, making a lot of good come out of this as well. And maybe that hasn't been your experience, and I don't want to minimize what, you're, what you've gone through at all, but we serve a God who, as we, as we seek him, will turn things for good. And so part of what he's been doing in my heart personally, hear me on this, my heart personally, I'm with you guys. I'm not just pointing fingers this morning, okay? as many are pointed back at me, is speaking specifically to the church now, is I believe he is, he is calling us to reset some priorities. And uh, uncomfortable? Yeah, sure, uncomfortable. Um, the good thing about uncomfortable when, when you're walking through it with Jesus is there's way more glory to come on the other side. So is it going to be uncomfortable? Maybe a little bit. But we're going to rethink the foundations, maybe not the foundations, because you, maybe your foundations are set proper, but maybe there's some things that you've built on the foundation that Jesus needs to deconstruct. And so as we get into Matthew, I really, really, really just want Jesus, by his word, to reconstruct what the kingdom is all about, what being a follower of Jesus is all about, what Jesus said and taken him at his word. And so to that end, I've been praying that God would deconstruct any false ideas or idols, to put it bluntly, idols, many idols that we as a church have had in the church. And they're so sinister and they creep in. And I'm not pointing fingers to shame you this morning, but I'm addressing it because I want us to be free. I want us to address it because Christ can set us free from these things. Idols like protecting our own comfort, and our own brand, if you will, of Christianity that might or might not look like what the Word tells us Christianity is about. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, but it's going to be for our good. Some might have more, some might have less deconstruction, and that's wonderful, but that's part of the body of Christ as we get to walk this together. There's been questions like, have we been too reliant on the form and the structure of church? It's a question I hope you ask yourself. Structure and form is not bad. We need it. We're humans. We need it. But have we made that an idol and loved that more than we've loved Jesus? And to some extent, I have to admit that as a body, yes, we have. Has Jesus actually won our hearts and our lives? Are we more passionate talking about the Savior of the world, or are we more passionate talking about the potluck or the fellowship time afterwards? Those things are wonderful. I love them, and I love doing that with you guys. But Jesus needs to be first. And I'm not saying you're going to get this all figured out this morning. That's not what this is about. We get to walk this together step by step. 
and it's going to be wonderful. And so that's why we're going through Matthew. I don't hide that to you. You guys are brilliant, smart people, and Jesus is contending for you, and so will I. I love it. Sometimes church has turned into a convenient religious opportunity to come and just like be together and feel good about ourselves. Or, or perhaps at times, um, I have literally heard the phrase, um, I, I, I go to church to, to better myself. Or I, I just, as a pastor, I hear that phrase like, would you, could I meet with you? I just really feel like I need to enter a season of bettering myself. That's not what the gospel is for. That's not what Jesus is for. You don't get to better yourself. You need to die to yourself so that Jesus can make you alive and new in him. This is not a book of a manual of how to have the most easygoing and good life and fall into some sort of do these morals, be a good person. Jesus needs to radically transform every bit and piece of us. Now, these are some really big concepts, and I know I'm rattling through them, and there's so much scripture behind it that we're going to walk through as we go, okay? So, but this, I just need to set this as a foundation as we get into Matthew. Because as we come into Matthew, Jesus is going to call us to die to ourselves. But the beautiful thing about that is that death is necessary before a resurrection, If Jesus didn't die, there would have been no resurrection. And Jesus wants to resurrect us into his kingdom. And even as you have been in, in his kingdom, there's little bits and pieces. I know there are. There are in my heart. There are in yours. There's bits and pieces that we need to die to and let Jesus form new in us. Repentance is crucial. We're going to explore that as we go forth together. Because Jesus came to save us from us. He came to save you from you. And he came to save me from me. And make us new in Jesus. These are foundations. These are foundations that we're going to explore in detail through the gospel of Matthew. And uh, and I promise that uh, if you would follow Jesus with your life, it's a great adventure. And I promise that he will walk us through this and be gracious and loving all along the way. Let's pray together. God, would you allow us just to simply and plainly see from your word what it is to follow Jesus? Would you let any false preconceived ideas of who you are and what following you is about to fall away? Anything false, just strip it away, Jesus. Jesus, would you give us humility? We come humbly before you. Would you give us clarity on the truth of your kingdom? Because we want to love you more. We want to be in your fold. We want to align with your will so that forgiveness and deliverance could be realized in us and through us. Amen. Amen. All right. That's the preamble. It's a long preamble, I know. but It's very important. So for the rest of our time, you're basically getting to go to school now this morning um, because I'd like to set the stage for the context of Matthew. We're not even going to really jump into Matthew. We're going to jump in, uh, starting at verse 1, chapter 1 next week. But for the rest of this morning, we're going to get a little bit of of background on Matthew. It might not be super profound. It might not be super practical for you to take something with you today, but we love God's word and we want to do it dig into this responsibly and all together. 
So it's important that we approach it from the right angle so we actually take away what the author intended so we don't form false ideas and pick and choose out of here. Um, I know that you guys are up for that. I know that. So thank you for that. Um, so Matthew, who is this Matthew guy? What was his job um, when he, before he followed Jesus? What was his gig? Yeah, what was it? Taxation, yeah. He was, a, he was, a, he was the tax man. He was a tax collector. And uh, well, he would have appreciated a tax man, not the tax man. Um, so he was a tax collector in the time of Jesus. He was a Jew who worked for Rome. So right away, uh, you're suspicious if you're, if you're an, an ancient Jew and you're reading this text. Right away, you're suspicious of this guy, Matthew, because this guy is a traitor. Uh, he was working for Rome, occupied Rome. He was, he was um, tax collectors were not very liked people um, in, in that society. Uh, he would have been a very smart man. He was very intellectually smart. He would have been wealthy. Uh, he was one of the 12 disciples. He walked closely with Jesus during his ministry on earth. So he had a front row seat for much of the teaching and the activities that we're going to read about as we go through Matthew. Uh, he's not, Matthew though, it's interesting, he's not actually a very prominent part of the story. Like he's not mentioned very much at all, uh, which is kind of fascinating uh, normally when a person is telling a story of a place that they've been, something they've gone through, they share all their experiences in there and, they, and, and it, it becomes their story, right? Matthew doesn't even do that. Um, Matthew's barely mentioned because this is Jesus's story. Something so changed Matthew and transformed him that Jesus, this is entirely about Jesus now. And so this is Jesus's story. And as Matthew recalls being called to follow Jesus, he actually doesn't even go into a long explanation. Matthew says this, says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Matthew's peace isn't the point of the story. Jesus is. I mean, Matthew, um, Matthew no doubt had lots of emotions behind that. No doubt there was lots of background to his life and story that he was leaving behind and things he was wrestling with and going through and the, and, and the way that Jesus encountered him personally in his life, but he doesn't even go there. It would have been easy for him to do that. It would have been, Jesus said to follow me, and so I had to weigh all of the things, and I had this going on, and my great aunt's cousin had this going on, and, but it's not about him. It's simply Jesus says follow, and he followed because the story is about Jesus, and he clearly followed a Jesus that he thought was worth following, that plain and simple. But this book isn't titled The Biography of Jesus either, though, is it? No, it's called The Gospel of Matthew, or The Gospel According to Matthew. But what on earth is a gospel? Because it's not a biography, it's actually a gospel, and it's actually a different way of writing uh, than we would be used to. We're used to the narrative story and, and things just kind of flow from beginning to end. But the gospel actually has a very specific purpose. And the word gospel in the Greek is evangelion, which means good news. So as much as these are factual events of Jesus's ministry here on earth, the whole purpose of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as gospels, they were actually written to distribute among the early church. And, and in those early days that the church was forming, it was literally a news bulletin. It was a news bulletin. 
And so that's how it's written. The good news has come that Jesus, the Messiah, is here, and we want to tell everybody about it. It's like spread in newspapers, and it says it tells you everything that you would need to know to put your faith in this Jesus, the good news that God has come to earth as a babe, grown up, and had a ministry on earth, went to a cross, and died, and is now ruling, and is one day returning. That's the good news that was circulated, and that's a news bulletin that's still good news today. Amen? So it has this connotation, like in the ancient days, if, if you were Evangelion, if you, it's, it's earth-shattering news. So if you were warring against a neighboring country, and, and, that, and you just won, you had victory over that country, there's no telephones, there's no emails, there's no internet. What they would do was they would ride from town to town and tell the good news. Or if your king died or an emperor died, there would be messengers that would go, and it was earth-shattering news, and they would go from town to town heralding the good news, and that is the same purpose that this gospel takes, that it would spread from town to town because this news is earth-shattering. This news is huge. This is a big, big deal. It's a news bulletin, and indeed, the gospel of Jesus is the best news ever. Absolutely, it is. Um, we get to approach this book as the good news of Jesus. Uh, but Matthew, he was, he was a very brilliant man. He wrote this gospel with a very clear structure, obviously led by the Holy Spirit, but he wrote it with a very clear structure and themes to get this news across clearly. Just like any good news outlet, you need to get your point across clearly. So first, it's really important to note this major theme uh, Matthew really focuses in on the fact that Jesus is a continuation of the Old Testament. Um, he is writing to Jews, and he wrote, uh, Matthew is a total Bible nerd, and I love it because there's so much. If you have a Bible that has asterisks whenever there's Old Testament passages that they're referencing, it is just full. Like It is just so full. And, and we'll definitely be looking at some of those Old Testament uh, tie-ins as we go here. So first, uh, he's writing to Jews, and he's saying this, this whole time has led up to Jesus. So this good news of Jesus coming, that he is actually the Messiah. He's, he's convincing these people, the Jewish people, that this is the Messiah, and that Jesus isn't some new thing and some new sect or cult, but that he's a continuation of the Old Testament, which is, which is a powerful thing. But that's to the Jew, but to the non-Jew, uh, there were Gentiles being saved in those days, and there's us sitting here today. To us, um, it reminds us then, too, it reminds us of the rich heritage that we come from, the rich heritage and the background of faith and the people of God and the promises that God has to Israel that we are graciously welcomed into, in part, into the family. And that's good news, right? That's good news. We're in, in the family of God because of Jesus. And as much as Jesus was a continuation of the Old Testament, um, he was doing something incredibly new. He was doing something new on the earth. And that new thing is arguably the main theme of Matthew. And it's overarching, and you're going to be shocked to find out that I like talking about this, but it's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven. Matthew, I cannot, I, I checked, I cannot go a page in Matthew, in my Bible at least, without Matthew addressing the kingdom of heaven. It's a huge, huge theme. It is so important to him. 
And Matthew wants us all to know that God's kingdom was realized, that it was started and inaugurated fully in Jesus. And when summing up Jesus' message at the start of his ministry, this is what Matthew tried to sum it up in a sentence, what Jesus was, was all about as he was starting his ministry. And it says this, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' main message was for us to repent because the kingdom of heaven was here, fully in him. We, you've heard me explain it before, and, and I'm going to explain it again because I really want us to get this to the point where, um, where we can just, we just know this deeply, so deeply, this idea of the kingdom of heaven. I want us all, if I ask you, uh, next Sunday, what's the kingdom of heaven about? I want you to be able to explain to me clearly what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And it starts on page one of your Bible. God creates the earth and he looks at it and he sees that it is good and his presence is dwelling here. And heaven is, is where God's presence fully dwells and heaven and earth overlapped there. God was, God was walking with man, man was walking with God. It was awesome. Then we get to page two or three of your Bible and we see that man messes this up. And clearly God is king. Clearly God has all authority. And people mess this up. And we, we disobeyed the king. And, if, and God withdraws his presence from humanity because there can be no sin in the presence of God. And we enter into this curse that we all, since then, have been born as as sinners. But God wasn't done yet. So the, the narrative of the Bible is actually this, this kingdom. There's earth and there's the kingdom of heaven. And it was separated because of our disobedience. But God is restoring it again. That's the narrative of the Bible from beginning to end. God is restoring the kingdom of heaven and earth once again so that he can be with us. So that we can enjoy him and give him glory. And so we know that Jesus came in the fullness of God and of man, and the kingdom of heaven was with him. And then he established, it says that he was establishing his kingdom on earth. And then after he ascended to the Father, you, you know, in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happened, and people are filled with the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire. And now we get to be filled with the Holy Spirit when you call Jesus your king. And now we, there's little pockets of the kingdom of heaven because the Holy Spirit is God himself living in you. There's pockets of the kingdom of heaven and it's growing and it's growing. We're going to learn about what Jesus said about the growth of the kingdom. And it's growing and it's growing. And we know that one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to make a new heaven. He's going to make a new earth. It's going to overlap. He's going to walk with us again. It's not like... So often we think there's heaven and there's earth and I receive Jesus because he forgives me for all the bad stuff I do and then I just want to try my best till he transfers me over here. But actually the reality is so much better than that, that we get to look forward to a day when heaven and earth overlap. And it's so much better than just some ethereal, um, un, unknown floating around, but that we will walk with Jesus in his presence the way that he intended right from the very beginning. That's good news, amen? 
That is good news. And as we read Matthew, we are going to see a few things that he's going to point out because he structured it in around the kingdom. And so we see there's an introduction where, where Jesus is born and tempted and baptized and he enters into the ministry. And then there's these five sections of different sections about the kingdom. And in each section, there's a teaching of Jesus, but not only a teaching of Jesus. And I love that. Jesus teaches, teaches a kingdom lifestyle, kingdom mission, kingdom growth. You can write this down. I might just send an email out this week. This is going to be really cool to unpack as we go along. Um, Kingdom growth, kingdom community, and kingdom future, which is completed and wrapped up in his death and resurrection, sealed the deal. And so as we walk, we see that Jesus teaches. In the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot read, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you cannot read the Sermon on the Mount and not be convicted to your very core. And, but Jesus not only convicts us to our very core, he then goes out from the Sermon on the Mount after teaching about the kingdom lifestyle and lives it and walks it and shows the disciples how to do it and has a whole lot of grace along the way. And I love that about Jesus is that he not only teaches us and says, okay, now do this, but he actually was willing to do everything that he taught. It's amazing. This kingdom of heaven is going to be amazing in its fullness one day, but we get to realize it in pockets through believers here and now. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful reality that I I want more and more Christians to to live into. Um, We have Jesus' teaching, and we have Jesus walking it out. And I hope that that as we go through Matthew, we will do the same thing. We'll hear some teaching, and we'll walk it out together. And so when Jesus says, don't be angry at your brother, and then Regan, you look over at Ed over here, and you're just ticked off at him, I'm going to say, hey, this is a great opportunity. Just like Jesus showed his disciples, this is a great opportunity where we get to practice forgiveness. We get to practice grace. We get to practice not being angry at our brother. And so that's what we're going to do together. Jesus never commanded us something that he himself wasn't willing to do. And it's not a list of of do's and don'ts to earn anything in the kingdom of God, but it's a a list of things we get to do and the expectation of being so transformed by Jesus because that's what he does. This might leave a whole bunch of questions in your mind for this morning. That's okay. There's no way in one hour on a Sunday morning we're going to tell you everything. but we get to walk this as believers and have grace for one another. Amen? We're going to walk this. Because the reason I set it up this way is Jesus said some really hard things to us. Really hard things. And I'm going to mess it up. And you're going to mess it up. But we're going to aim for the kingdom of heaven together. Amen? Because Jesus made it possible by his work on the cross. He made it possible by his work on that cross says he bore our iniquities, our sin upon himself. He bore our griefs and our sorrows, our, our sickness and our diseases, it says. He bore the curse of sin upon himself on that cross. And we live in this kingdom that is already here, but not yet. And we live in this reality that we're waiting for glory to come. But I know that Jesus will walk with us and work with us to see 
the type of people that are citizens of the kingdom of heaven grow in us. And so that's where we're headed. There's going to be a lot of grace, and we're going to be transformed from glory to glory. But that really leads us to communion this morning, doesn't it? It's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus' kingdom. The king who would come and willingly lay down his life. The one who said, if you, if you want to be a leader, you got to be a servant of all. He told that to his disciples, and he put it on full display. And so that's us. And we have forgiveness because of Jesus and because of that cross. So I don't want to forget that. And Jesus didn't want us to forget that, which is why we have communion. So I'll ask that you grab your cups. Jesus knew that we're prone to forget. We're prone to forget things. We're prone to read a book like Matthew or read a book like James and do all the do's and focus all our attention on that. But when we come to the table, when we come and commun- in communion with Christ, then this way we remember his sacrifice for us. We remember that it's all him. And so as he was having dinner with his disciples the night before he went to the cross, the night he was betrayed, He instituted this, and we're still doing it 2,000 years later because his death and resurrection is still as powerful as it has ever been. So he took and he broke some bread, and he gave thanks for it, and he said, "This, this is my body which is broken for you. And he says it for you here today too. This is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, we leave all sin and shame at your feet. We thank you for your forgiveness. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And Jesus said, this this cup represents the new covenant the new covenant that I'm making with my people. We get to live into this new covenant where he would place his spirit in us, where we would have forgiveness of sin and assurance that we get to be with Christ forever, that we get to be with God forever, that we get to access to the Father. We prayed this morning. That couldn't have happened 2,500 years ago like that. Not in the same way, not, not with the same presence. It's, it's glorious. And so Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood because of Jesus' great sacrifice for us. He bled and died for us, that we would be welcomed into his family. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you 
Father, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for deliverance. Father, as we come to your word, we know there's going to be things that cause just some turmoil in our hearts. But I pray that by your grace, we would work through that and come out the other side, having loved you more, realized your love towards us, and found forgiveness and deliverance. Jesus, I pray for for hearts and minds so set on you. You would be our first love. That's where we're headed. Thank you for your grace, your forgiveness. We love you and we praise you, our King, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Bless you guys. I just want to open invitation. If if at all, as we're working through any of this stuff, I know that some of it can be heavy. Jesus, um, as he's working on our hearts, um, it, it can be hard at moments. By all means, we are all in this together. Come and talk to myself, Leah, any of the elders or their wives. We'd love to just, just walk this with you. Nobody has to do this alone, but Jesus, I promise you, has amazing, amazing plans for you as you would partner and yield your life to him. Amen? All right, thank you. Bless you guys as you go.